And you people, you're all astronauts on some kind of Star Trek. We are explorers. We're going to stumble, make mistakes, I'm sure more than a few before we find our footing. But we're going to learn from those mistakes. That's what being human is all about. It is possible to commit no mistakes and still lose. That is not a weakness, that is life. We're Starfleet officers. Weird is part of the job. Base, the final frontier. Make it so. Do it. Hit it. Let's fly. You're Aiden. You're Lindsay. And we are the Bix. We are indeed. Very good, Lindsay. That was well done. Little, a little wrench thrown in there. Just to throw you off a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you know, throw you like off that. your game. I like that. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad I caught on. Um, yeah, and this is the Big Spot. And this episode, we are very happy to have you here with us to talk about the animated series. Little, little discussed, uh, yeah. kind of shit on a little bit, yeah. which is unfortunate because it's not so bad. It is a bit of a hidden gem, I'll say. I, yeah. I, uh, let's get it right out of the bat, Lindsay. Did you enjoy watching the animated I series? I really enjoyed the animated series. Yeah. We had been watching, I think we had just finished watching ds9 for this podcast yeah yeah before we started watching voyager and it was kind of like okay we're gonna watch the animated series and i remember thinking oh it's a kid's show it's like it's not gonna be good and i think partly because it's only a half hour long show so it made it really easy it's like watching um lower decks or something made it like really easy end of the night we could just like put on an episode and be done with it um but it was also like weirdly entertaining yeah and not in a not in a Star Trekky way. It was like, but also in a Star Trekky way. Like, <laughs> yeah, do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. How, did, how did you feel about him? Uh, the same. I was. I went in with very low expectations. Yeah. I'd really just seen the memes of you know yeah. Kirk and Spock running those those, those animated, filmation yeah, gifts. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, which is which is great. But um, there's more to it. And uh, yeah, I enjoyed. There were. I mean, there were a few. Misses. Yeah, um, but there were also some really good episodes. So I, I uh, more than I expected. Had sure. you seen anything of the animated series? Never, never again. I didn't even know that the animated series existed until about yeah. a year and a half ago. Yeah, like honestly, and you know what's so stupid is that I saw the the abbreviation TAS, which yeah. is the standard abbreviation for yeah. the animated series. And I don't know what was going on in my head, but I just, like, the original series. It was just, like, wrapped up in <laughs> yeah, that. the original. I don't know. Yeah, with it's, an A, yeah, funny o- French accent. original. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, but I just didn't know that it existed. And so, yeah, pleasantly surprised. I'm glad we got that out of the way. Yeah, yeah. That's the end of our episode. We'll just that, I mean, that's a, good, that's a good summary of it. Um, but we will talk a little bit more. Uh, yes. And we'll start off with the production history, mm-hmm. as we have been. Um, so this was actually planned almost while the original series was still in production and still yeah. airing. Uh, there had been talks uh, ongoing. Um, but it took a while to get everybody on board. And, you know, Paramount really, I know, again, it's the same story we've been telling for a while. But, you know, it was the syndication rights making them a bunch of money for the original series series they're like oh people like star trek let's try doing something new with star trek Mm -hmm. and they they landed on the animated series and they basically gave roddenberry uh complete creative control yeah yeah so uh 
he he jumped on um, and he brought on DC Fontana as kind of like the story editor, I think is what mm-hmm. it was. The title was basically your showrunner for for the writer's room. Yeah. Um, and good it was for her. Good. For, it was good it for was her. It was good for her. Although yeah. she, I, th- I think she only wrote one think, episode yeah. herself. Yeah. Yeah. It was a damn good episode. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and uh, she again, she she had that editor role, although yeah. Roddenberry also was quite involved in a lot of the scripts, apparently. Um, and that was on the writing side, the creative uh, drawing animation side was filmation which is a uh it was a california-based company that had done like a bunch of small things yeah like they did they did like religious videos like i i've been um i was watching a documentary about um, mormons and and the film style i'm like that was probably a filmation yeah like that they showed how the you know the story of joseph smith and the book of mormon it was it was in the same style it's a very recognizable yeah like 1970s low budget before animation was outsourced to like Korea Korea and and everything um, which also was low budget and and you know even today like you know four frames per second type animation Um, but this was California based and uh, they actually did quite a few of a few other big series. Yeah. That you after recognize. this? Well, okay, so the biggest one that you might recognize is the Archies. So uh, the, have you ever seen the music really? video for Sugar Sugar? Uh, yeah, it is. That's them. Cool. Um, and they also did, though, Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids. Okay. Yeah. Um, and He-Man and Masters of the Universe, which Love is that one. Which is a great one as a kid. Did they also do She-Ra? I don't think they did. Oh. I think that was a different company they got. They obviously adapted the, yeah. the animation style and everything from Filmation. But yeah. Right. So, I mean, yeah, a large part of a lot of people's childhoods, this company was involved in. Yeah. Um, which was just interesting to read about and, and very cool. Um, but on the back on the writer's side a little bit, uh, Fontana did bring back, and Roddenberry too, a bunch of the writers that had uh, written for the original series as well. So it was really kind of like getting the gang back together mm-hmm. uh, on the whole creative side. So yeah, David Gerald, Larry Niven, uh, who wrote like the Ringworld series, I think, uh, in novels and stuff. Uh, Margaret Arman, a bunch of these writers that you'd recognize from the from the time period. Um, and I guess pay for the show was not that great. Uh, there is... What's changed in animation? <laughs> yeah, it's Let's true. Let's be real. It's true. I think they were getting like six $1,000 or $1,100 per episode, which is, I think, like... Was that the budget? No, 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 no. Okay. No, I was the like, writers, oh, shit. The writers were receiving okay. this much. Okay. I, yeah, I, I didn't look up the actual budget numbers yeah. for the episodes, but they were not much because they did have... They reused those animations and that... Well, that, that was the trick that Filmation did to kind mm-hmm. of cut down on costs because they knew that... Um, they weren't being given a huge budget. So yeah, let's have like two shots of the Enterprise yeah. and have like a close-up shot and a faraway shot and a running shot for every main character and we'll just reuse them all the yeah. time. Like they never needed to change the costumes or anything. It was all the same. It was actually kind of smart. Like it made it, this isn't Disney, like, you know, yeah. spending millions of dollars to create Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Yeah. It's like you're creating a half-hour children's cartoon. But, so they did it on the cheap, but, but it... Yeah, it adds it adds something to it. It does, and I think the so the the writers, despite not yeah. having uh, you know money <laughs> and having limited limited limitations in terms of what they could show in terms of you know specific animations and yeah. action sequences and stuff like that, they were drawn in by the fact that it was animated. Yeah, and that's really what stands out when you watch it too. Is like there's so many cool things that they could not do in a live action series. Like we'll talk about character design and mm-hmm. some of the set designs that. Um, you know, famously Star Trek having to invent a teleportation device yeah. 
um, in order to not show landing on each planet, you're not hampered by any of that. When all you have to do is just bring out your red pencil and, you know, draw <laughs> something else. You, yeah, yeah. you know, so it's kind of freeing, I think, for any creative, um, especially for a team that worked so closely together on the original series to mm-hmm. come into this series and have the same parameters, but all of a sudden a whole bunch more freedom, yeah. right? Yeah, so I mean, it's it's a really cool thing. Also worth mentioning, there was a Writers Guild of America strike in 1973, yeah. which did not apply to I don't remember why series. it didn't apply. It, it's just yeah. animated it's series those... were like off to the side. So all of these yeah. writers were still able to get paid and, yeah. and everything Again, during a strike. Again, not much, but you're getting paid, yeah. Yeah, better than your friends on the picket lines, yeah, right? Exactly. So yeah, so very interesting. Um, little tidbit there. Um, yeah. And speaking of getting the gang back together, mm-hmm. uh, I'm just jumping around here. The cast also reunited for this one. For the most part, yeah. For the most part. (laughs) Again, very expensive to get Nimoy and Shatner, who were, you know, huge stars again. Yeah. But also to bring back, like, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Mm -hmm. they weren't going to bring back, they were going to bring back, obviously, Kirk and Spock and McCoy. Yeah. But then um, Ahura and Sulu were left off yes. the show. Or they were going they were going to be in the show, but not with the original voice actors. They were oh, going to yeah, get Major right, Barrett right. and James Dewan. Yes, to you're do right, their you're voices. right, you're right. Um, and then and yeah. it, it was probably Nimoy because it's always Nimoy who stepped up and was like, um, actually those are the only two people of color in the <laughs> yeah. entire cast. You're yeah. not cutting them out. Yeah. Um, and then they were brought back. But Walter Koenig was not. He was yeah. the one crew yeah, they, they, member. They, or they, uh, yeah, they, there were still the budget limitations, yeah. and they decided, well, he was the, the newest member of the crew, yeah. uh, so he didn't make it, which is a shame. I would have loved to see Chekhov's hair morph into the 70s version. Like, what yeah. is he going to have? Big mutton chops? Who knows? Long, I would love to see it. you know, braids. I don't know. what it. <laughs> he looked like expect Robert Redford. Going. Yeah, maybe. You know? Yeah, sure, I'd go for With that. With his nuclear vessels. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so, but Chekhov, uh, or I should say uh, Walter Koenig, uh, did eventually come back as a writer. So yes. he uh, he was one of those guys who got paid a thousand bucks to. to write but at least episode. he was able to, you know, contribute to mm-hmm. the show and and to what a lot of people consider is the fourth season of the original series. So yeah. Yeah. that's kind of cool. Which uh, we'll, we'll talk about we'll later talk on. About a, little, a little bit later on. So it was originally designed as a children's show. Yeah, um, and that was how it was pitched to Roddenberry, and he was like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> they instead he uh, he wanted it to have a bit more of an all ages feel, and that's that's what kind of came out is that it is a it was it was aimed for that Saturday morning time slot, so it was it was a Saturday afternoon or Saturday morning cartoon with you know your Bugs Bunny, I guess your Warner Brothers classics, and if Disney was having shows, I don't know what's going on in the seventies with Disney, but yeah, um, and, not much. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of the dark ages yeah, yeah. for Disney. Good point, um, but yeah, so it, it was designed as a kids show that would then have uh, more of a, uh, a reach for all audiences. But Roddenberry, yeah, like like you said, didn't really want to do a children's show. And, and I, I'm grateful that it, it is a kid's show. It does have themes that are accessible to mm-hmm. a bit of a wider audience, but it doesn't feel like you're being talked down to. And that's something we'll talk about when we get to some of those episodes, that um, it was able to deal with some tough stuff. Yeah, like, yeah the death of an animal or a, like a pet or suicide is brought yeah. up or there's um, a there's a trial with the devil yeah <laughs> you know? the like devil the, makes the, an appearance witch there's an here. episode called the jihad <laughs> like for heaven's sake this is it's not a children's show but yeah. the way that it um presents itself makes these topics 
for better or for worse, accessible to children. And and that's something that it was kind of lauded for. So, yep. um, which we'll get to when we get to those episodes. Yep. Um, and worth noting, uh, when, when, we, when talking about the show, it is, in fact, the only Star Trek TV series that ever won an Emmy for the overall production. I believe Star Trek's won many for, like, costume design and special effects and stuff like that over the years. Um, but... Well, it was a daytime Emmy. It was a daytime Emmy, but it still counts. I know, I know, but I'm... I, Next Generation won Emmys left and right. I don't... Yeah, but I don't think... It never won for, like, Best, best Dramatic series? series or something like that. No. Because I, I think it was nominated a couple times, maybe. Well, we'll, we'll get there when we get to yeah. TNG, but... Um, this just shocked me. Yeah, no, I know. Um, and when we wrote, if you have the chance, uh, there is a great documentary series uh, narrated by Gates McFadden. We've talked about it before on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, the center seat. Uh, they uh, talk about it in great detail. In yes, a whole episode about the Saturday morning pinks is yeah. the episode title. Yeah, I don't know why I remember that. <laughs> Actually, I know exactly why I remember that. Why? Because the title is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, but yeah, it, it did win outstanding entertainment yeah. in a children's series uh, in 1975, which is like, yeah. It's the first for Star Trek and so far the, the last. And that's that's quite impressive. It concluded after two seasons yep. with um, very slim 22 episodes. Mm-hmm. I think the first season had most and then there were six in the second season. Yeah, it was, it was some kind weird of breakdown like thing. that. I think, I think that was originally how it was pitched to Roddenberry too. I think they explicitly said like, you're going to have two seasons, 22 an episode minimum. Go go write it. Go get it. You wouldn't do eleven and eleven, but I guess the writer strike would impact. Yeah, it would probably. And it was all done within a year. Like it started in September, I think, of nineteen seventy three, and ended in October of nineteen seventy four, or something something like that. that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, within a year, it's done. But by that point, um, the show had kind of—I don't want to say it had run its course, but I think the people involved were looking at um, phase two was was Mm -hmm. being talked about. The the show was. Um, it had been 10 years almost since the original series premiered and there was um, increasing fan um, interest in the show. The convention circuit had started up and so there was talk about doing more live action Star Trek. So the animation side of things kind of fell off and never really got picked up again until Lower Decks, Lower Decks really, and Prodigy, yeah. right? So, so yeah. you know, another 40 some years yeah. before you get wow, animated Star Trek again. That's wild. Yeah. Which is which is hilarious to me and, and and amazing because it really oddly suits the the format of the show so, so well. well. You know, it's not because you because it is so freeing and you don't have to worry about practical effects or special effects. You just draw it, and yeah. I mean, you can do so much with really so little, mm-hmm. which is the great thing about animation. I think. Yeah, absolutely, and and they they do it to good good effect here. And those effects are pretty interesting, Lindsay. I think we'll we'll just dive into our like overall impressions. We already gave kind of our high yeah. level. You know, we did like it. Um, but um, when you start watching it, I feel like there is a bit of a uh, a barrier to get through in terms of like, oh wow, the animation is so very seventies. It's mm-hmm. very um, you know crudely drawn. The animations are like again a couple frames per second kind of thing. The music feels very Saturday morning cartoonish. Yeah. Even though I believe it was Alexander Courage doing the this. The I score, believe so as well. Yep. Um, it did feel very cartoonish. Yeah, yeah. It. Did. I mean, that's that's the interesting thing about it is that it does. It feels like a Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah. That's for Star Trek fans still, mm-hmm. um, and their kids, 
and that comes across in a lot of different ways, but uh, it's really kind of like on an individual episode by episode basis, there are really just some really interesting premises and really great stories to tell still. Just like in the original series, you know, they had, there were also some duds there too, but Mm -hmm. there were, you know, on an episode by episode basis, it was like, here's an idea, let's explore it and let's, you know, see where it takes us. And uh, the, the best parts of the animated series really, really feel like that. It really yeah. does feel like, oh yeah, this is, like you said, the fourth season of, of Star Trek, mm-hmm. the original series. It's the same characters, same ship, um, some new characters too. Uh, and you're, you're still doing that process of exploring the, the, the universe of Star Trek and all mm-hmm. the weird, crazy, zany things that can go on. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have more flexibility in terms of what's available because you do have that animation backbone mm-hmm. um and and yeah there there's uh, a big part of that is the character design we mentioned we were going to talk about it uh rex the uh three-armed navigator dude who took over for yeah. Chekhov. uh very interesting also that species was brought back for lower decks which is also great um there's the uh the cat species the cat species do you remember what they're called can never remember. It's it's like Cadians, 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 something like that. <laughs> it they, is. They didn't like, they didn't try to mask no. it. Yeah. And then there's that there's that one episode. I can't remember. I don't remember the episode very well at all. Is it one of the the character splits into three? Yes, the three yeah. part dude. That is so which again cool. brought back in Lower Decks. Yeah, yeah. To you know, again, you can't do that live action. Yeah. You well, you can. You could do it in, but CGI it would cost now. a lot of money. Well, and, and, it and would, yeah. What would be the point? And right? It would, would it look as good? Like, would it be as believable? Like when you. I could see Strange yeah. New Worlds doing it with like some of the some of their mo- more um, like fun, lighthearted episodes because yeah. that's really it's it's. In the animated series, when that character shows up, it serves a good purpose, and it's interesting. When Lower Decks does it, it's kind of a joke. Yeah. So it's it's kind of become, because it is so wildly out there, yeah, right? Yeah. But, um, but yeah, you can't, you can't easily do that in a live-action series. So you have these great character designs that are, have added depth to the Star Trek universe yeah. as well, I yeah. would say, because... Um, up until that point, you're really li- limited by the bipedal nature of, of humanity, yeah, that yeah. every species looks the same. And of course, you know, Next Generation dealt with that a little bit with that episode <laughs> where they the discovered origins the episode or whatever, genetic yeah. origin of yeah. everybody in the entire galaxy. It was from the female shapeshifter. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, to, to branch that out and to have characters that don't look like they're human yeah. at all. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And they, again, they do pick it up in lower decks with cetacean ops, even, you know, yeah. like you the, the smart dolphins and stuff, you know, contributing yeah. to the crew. So yeah. there's all sorts of cool stuff like that. Um, and yeah, and yeah, and that, that, that expansion is part of what makes it feel like Star Trek. It's, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, there is this whole other part of the universe um, that we can explore here. And that's, that's the best part of the animated series for me is not, there's a lot of like fan service. Like they they do uh, revisit some things like tribbles and yeah. Uh, or the, the pleasure planet, the amusement park planet. Yes. Yeah. We're the, we're the bunny. Uh, yeah, and the, the Queen the of Hearts, Queen of Hearts, and everybody, yeah, yeah, shows up. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, they they do a lot of that stuff too, yeah. where they revisit and explore it in an animated mm-hmm. version now. Um, but then they also have, you know, there's that planet where or that episode where Spock 
and the landing party is trapped in like a giant plant or something like that. And then Uhura and all the women have to come down and yeah. rescue them because they, they have to kidnap the men or something like and that. And that's that the one where Uhura is Captain the Enterprise. Yes, So exactly. notably, the only time she gets to Captain yeah. Yeah, the cool. Enterprise yeah. is yeah. in the animated series. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it just it really feels wholesome like that. Um, sorry, I've been rambling, Lindsay. What, what, what are your other overall thoughts here? Well, it, to kind of talk about the stylistic choice, I feel like, you know, the original series did a lot for color television yeah. and and really leaned into that. There are some really beautiful, I think Mud's Women, if I remember correctly, um, made use of bright colors for like the backgrounds mm. and like contrasting colors and things like that that um, made owning a color TV in 1966 kind yeah. of a and watching the show, kind of a fun experience. Yeah. Um, the animated series goes even further, obviously, yeah. because you've got, I mean, the Kazinti in that one episode with their pink uniforms and the pink ship, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the Any of the planets where they have, like, wild vegetation that's, like, purple and blue and, yeah. and orange and, like... Yes, they did that on the original series, but it feels more psychedelic. It feels yeah. more of the era in well, a feels good more, way. Yeah, and it feels more purposeful. It's yeah. like they, they wanted that to be pink. It's not like, yeah. oh, well, we need to make something a little zany here. Let's add a pink flower. Yeah, no, no, no. We're going like to make it pink because why not, right? Yeah. And so um, as a stylistic choice, I think that was, you know, it, they did it for budgetary reasons, doing it um, in the animation style that they did. But in leaning into it, I think they created something that was really quite unique and... Um, and it, it does help bridge that gap between, as you said, Star Trek fans and their children. I mean, kids were definitely watching the original series. Mm-hmm. As we know, your dad was watching it. My dad was watching it. Like, these were kids who grew up. Your mom was watching it, wanting to be Kirk and Spock and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. But to have it be an animated show, it, I think it gives some of the ownership back to the kids. But it also, it, in a weird way, like Pixar movies, it appeals to the adult mm-hmm. in the room as, as well. well. Yeah. Um, and like we talked about a little bit earlier with the the heavier hitting episodes, it does, it does that in a way that um, a live action series at the time certainly wouldn't have ever thought to do, right? Like this is appealing to a demographic that really hadn't been appealed to before mm-hmm. on this level and and was leading towards the um consumerism of the 80s and yeah, 90s yeah. with like game and toy tie-ins to yeah. your you know animated saturday morning cartoons and cereals and all the stuff marketed yeah. to children that we grew up with yeah. this is kind of the start of that yeah. um but it still feels kind of fresh and purposeful and meaningful mm-hmm. if if that makes sense yeah um but yeah, it's 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 just I think my biggest takeaway was that it's such a nice refreshing take on planets and characters, especially the ones that call back. And I love the fact that series since then have called back to the animated series because there was a yeah. debate for a really long time about whether this was canonical. Yeah. And and now I think it's undeniable because it's been referenced in I mean we're going to talk right away about the uh, the the specific episodes, yeah. but like Spock's backstory with his pet Ceylon. Yeah, I mean that's referenced in uh, Search for Spock, I think, and it's referenced in the 2009 the J.J. Abrams films. It's referenced in the Next Generation. It's referenced in Lower Decks. Yeah. I mean, it's it's been brought back. It's baked into the story now. Yeah. I I don't think you can say that the animated series is not canonical it is a part of the star trek universe and it deserves to be 
Yeah, and and a lot of people, you know, there were there were a pushback against that, but a lot of them, like I think even DC Fontana, maybe it was a different author or a different writer, but they they have a quote. I think it's even on the Wikipedia page, basically saying like. Yeah, we were all there. It was the same team that was yeah. there writing these episodes as in the original series. We knew exactly what we yeah. were doing and what the what the idea of this show was. Yeah. And we just wrote new Star Trek episodes and there they are. So is it canon? And yeah, it sure. The seems people like it. who were complaining at the time and I, I find this fascinating. It's it's not ju- it's not haters of new Trek. Like today, yeah. those aren't the only people who objected. Yeah. Every time a new Star Trek series comes out, there are people who stood there and objected. There were people who wrote in saying they didn't want an animated series. Yeah. This should yeah. not yes. happen. Yeah. They wanted Star Trek to come back, but not as an animated series. That's not my Trek, yeah. right? And then you get it with Next Gen, and you get it with you know this newest crop of yeah. from 2017 onward. And it's like you're you're never going to please everyone, but it's just it's just funny to me that this is. Like you're looking at gift horse in the mouth. Appreciate the show for what it is. It's yeah. it's, it's brought so much into into the series. I think in a really colorful, fun way. It's just delightful. Yeah. I don't know how else to put it. No, absolutely. Yeah, that's what I thought, Carol. This seems like a natural spot to uh, give a shout out to today's sponsor, the Vulcan Science Institute's Atomic Alarm Clock for children, aka the Visiac. I just made that up. Okay, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, Designed with a budding Vulcan child in mind. Do you have a naughty Spock who shares their emotions too freely? Stick them in timeout next to their very own Visiac. Easy to read numbers will tell your little hellion when it's time to apologize for laughing a little too loudly at Earth jokes. Need to know when it's time for baby T'Pol to put away the meditation lamp? Set up a Visiac to quietly and logically remind them of their other obligations. There's even a special setting to remind your little Vulcan when it's time to feed their Salat. Don't leave the nursery without it. Time's a wasting. Get your Visiac today. Yeah, people are going to know when you've written the uh, the advertising copy Why? for these episodes because of the puns. Yeah, well, Time's a wasting. Yeah. You had to wink. Like, audience, you didn't see it. She winked at me. Like, you also didn't see the script eyes. where I, I underlined, I bolded, I yeah. italicized it so that yeah. I would She's really, really hit that. Time's a wasting. Well, what else are you going to... It's it's a clock. It makes sense. You don't need puns. Okay, no. We're not going to have this argument. Anyways, uh, let's talk about some of those episodes, Lindsay, that we, uh, sure. that we, that we found Which, notable. Yesteryear, let's just dive yeah, in with yeah. the best of the crop. I think this I is think the so. one. Uh, DC Fontana was the writer for this episode. It's the one where we meet Spock's pet, Selat, Ichaya. Yeah. Um, and we get his backstory fleshed out, which I think is just a, a, a straight-up acknowledgement of the fact that Spock was the breakaway character, mm. the fan favorite. So let's learn about his backstory. Let's let's talk about how he became the way he is and, and what influenced him as a child. And and it, again, is a callback to um, City on the Edge of Forever because we do meet the Guardian of Forever. That's how Spock goes back in time to visit himself as a child to figure out like what happened in the intervening years that makes him not exist yeah. in the present. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a retread of the same kind of themes, but uh, done in a very different way. So you have adult Spock interacting with child Spock yeah, yeah. and who and, thinks that adult Spock is his cousin or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Um and then and then yeah, this this great emotional centerpiece of Spock having to um come to the realization that 
the death of his beloved child who belonged to his father before him um, is the the uh, the logical the logical and, and, and humane, humane way yeah. to, to go like yeah. euthanizing this this animal that died defending him was injured defending him is the logical choice um, which when we were watching I, it was a center seat I'm pretty sure where they talked about um, how families, they were worried that the network was worried, I think, about this yeah. being like too much for like kids. It's like putting down old yellow, like literally, yeah. you know, and it's one of the most gut-wrenching scenes for kids. Absolutely. Yeah. But parents were writing in and, and saying that this was actually uh, a good way to talk about those issues mm-hmm. that kids were absolutely dealing with. So it maybe it wasn't intentional. Maybe they didn't mean yeah. for this to be a, a like after-school special type thing about putting down your old cat, but mm-hmm. it filled that role and I think that's really cool that um that it just it just happened to come into existence that way and it, and it provides a really good just emotional journey for Spock you know an a emotional character you get to see him as a young child who's struggling with his emotions mm-hmm. you know he wants to be Vulcan but he can't and, and his friends don't like him yeah and he's, and he's got and, no one and he has this one friend and then to, you know he goes on this journey to become a Vulcan mm-hmm. and he loses his one friend in yeah, the process it's, yeah. just, it's a sad sad really sweet story because you have yeah. Spock who you know comes out of this okay yeah. and is there to help him but it, it darkens not darkens deepens I guess the 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 things that we've seen about Spock mm-hmm. that you you realize like he doesn't make friends easily he's had loss in his life so it makes the friendships he's made with Pike and with Kirk and even begrudgingly with McCoy, mm-hmm. Hora, like it's brought those into, it, it adds a new life to those, which is really cool. Yeah. Another great Spock episode. Yeah. Not really, but also, yes. No, it's great. <laughs> is the Infinite Vulcan, um, which is, I honestly don't remember the premise very well, but it, I know it was the episode written by Walter Koenig and it features a giant Spock. That's yes. all I really remember. <laughs> well, and and yeah, I, I mean, I don't remember. He's, he's ended up... Um, is he kidnapped by uh, the mad scientist on the yeah, planet, or, or is like he yeah. is his he's copied or something? Yeah, he gets cloned in some way, and then he yeah. winds up being like a sixty foot tall. Yeah, there's two spots, two spots. and one is a sixty foot tall giant yeah. who stays on the planet afterwards yeah. to do research. Yeah, um, and then non-canon but canon apparently he died there like he accelerated his aging or something like that and he died shortly after and we only know that because of the lower decks episode where they encounter they they found his skeleton yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. so i mean it's it is a strange episode but it's fun because you're like there's well it's just it's just bizarre like again can't do that with live action (laughs) yeah or easily anyway yeah not believable at least and then walter koenig writing it that just it's makes a nice, it it's a nice great. Touch. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's very, it's a very fun one to watch for sure. Um, more tribbles, more tribbles. Also fun. Yes, uh, exactly. The third, but the second in row. But it, it is you know there are three tribble episodes yes. that have been done in the Star Trek universe yes. to this day. Yeah. Um, and this is the third. No, we haven't talked about the D- Deep Space Nine one. Well, we've talked about but it. But chronologically, it would have already happened yes. because it happened in the past. I guess. So, that's yeah. true. So, so it's the third is- one. Um, <laughs> this is one where they, they re-encounter uh, Cyrano Jones. Um, the Klingons are involved. They want him because he he did something to them. And of course, they hate the tribbles still. But these tribbles are different. They're, they've been genetically altered that they don't reproduce. Yes. They just, yeah, they just get, get bigger. Fat. Yeah, yeah. And and they're pink. And they're pink. They're pink. Yeah, obviously <laughs> because it's an animated show. And why not make them pink? Um, again, the the plot doesn't really matter that no. much. It's just fun to see these these characters brought back in this new kind of 
mm-hmm. way. Yeah, it, absolutely. Um, one episode that did have a bit more of a deep plot was the the, the slaver weapon. Mm-hmm. This is, a, I think it's one of the last episodes, if I remember correctly. Um, and it's the pink Kazinti bad guys. Those are the cat-like species that are kind of uh, like, yeah, they, they have these... There, there's a question about um, self-determination, I guess is the word. Like they're yeah. a slave race yeah. that doesn't want to be a slave race anymore. How does that work? Or they were slavers who Or something who, and they didn't want to... Yeah. yeah. But either way, at the end of the episode, there's there's um, an opportunity for them to get this, this slaver weapon back. But they... And the Enterprise is trying to stop them from using it. And rather than you know, give it back or, or, or end captured, this or I be think. captured. Yeah, and yeah. they, they make the choice or the choice is made for them, uh, to self destruct, to self sacrifice rather than be caught. So it brings up issues and, and the, the question of suicide yeah. into a Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah. Kind of fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also, yeah, it's, it's notable again for having, I think one of the criticisms of this episode was that by making these Kazinti characters have pink uniforms in a pink ship, um, somehow lessens the impact of their yeah. evil, yeah. which I think does a disservice to pink. First of all, it's like a Pepto-Bismol pink. And if you, yeah. I mean, Pepto-Bismol is not for the faint of heart. If you're <laughs> using that, you're dealing with some big shit. Literally. That was a pun. See, you love it. You love that. You love it when I do that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's it, it. It didn't even occur to me when I was watching yeah, the episode no, it's that not this a thought like that occurred to me either. And like, maybe that's because I've I've been deconditioned to believe that pink is a girly color. I, you oh, have wait, a pink so, shirt. Yeah. Wait. So you thought it was no. No, diminishing I, their no, their not at all. A, but okay. because over the course of my life, I don't think of pink as being something that would diminish anything. It's just a color. Yeah, okay. okay. It doesn't bother me. But at the time, I think people complained because they're like, "Oh, pink is for girls. This yeah. is a girly race. Why are they so? They're not dangerous." Yeah. Right. But then they were. But then they were. Yeah. So it it kind of yeah. mixed signals. Mixed signals. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't Which bother is, me. No. No. Um, I'm better than everybody. <laughs> That's what I'm getting at. I guess. Okay. Sorry. Whatever you want to believe. Um, <laughs> speaking of thinking you're better than everybody, uh, the Magics of Magus 2. Yes. Um, which is the famous uh, devil's advocate, literally. Literally. Uh, at the end of the episode, it's it's a convoluted story of like this this these characters from a planet called Megan or Megus or whatever the planet is. Obviously, yeah. Megus is in the title. Uh, you know, they've they previously visited Earth right. in the 1600s and uh, they'd been kicked out at the Salem Witch Trials right. um, for practicing their magic. Um, and so when the, the Enterprise shows up at their planet and uh, they get absorbed in, they, they basically hold the humans on trial and say like, oh, you guys were bad. And, you know, Kirk, of course talks his way out of it um and then one of the characters that they meet the one that introduces themselves is named lucian and he's a devil he's, he's the he's devil wearing he's got the horns he's red he's he's a very his name is lucian yeah he's but he's a very chipper fellow yeah he is um and he uh he basically yeah, he's not a bad guy in the way that you would expect the devil to be which i think was the way that the production company kind of came under fire if i'm not mistaken yeah for this episode yeah i mean and it was it was odd because originally they were going to have god be on trial right. or jesus or something like that and then the production or nbc or whoever was putting it broadcast i think it was nbc maybe it was paramount uh was like no that's 
too far, but if you make it the devil, it's fine. And they're like, okay. And then they just... <laughs> Lean into that. Yeah, so they just went for and it. Th- but then you have a, a sympathetic, almost, devil. It is. It is being absolutely. Being portrayed on children's television. Yeah. Again, yeah. it's wild. Because literally at one point, Kirk is like, I will destroy my ship or, you know, I will condemn ourselves to... to purgatory or something like that i don't remember what wild card he plays because he thinks like this lucian character is so not guilty because yeah. now the megans turn on him and they want to punish him for bringing yeah. the humans to to their planet or something he defends the devil and he defends the devil and he does it successfully yeah and it's like shit <laughs> like yeah. you, you didn't even get that in the original series there was no. there was it was for actually all the godlike species that yeah, they encountered they never had a trial scene actually in any of the original no. series that i can think of i mean there was there was the one uh they were caught with the other the other ship and they had to it wasn't like a trial but they they were kind of which one which other ship oh we're so terrible is it the tholian web no no <laughs> i don't think so you're bad with the names of characters i'm bad apparently them. bad with plot details anyways this is it's notable it's a very notable episode uh it's very fun to watch actually because you're like where's this going and then you're like okay that's where it went salem witch trials yeah yeah and the devil is innocent (laughs) okay all right then uh speaking of godlike characters we've got um the one that actually won them the emmy for um for like this was the one that they put forward as like your for your consideration i guess um, How Sharper Than a Serpent's Tooth, which mm-hmm. features various na- uh, Native American cultures as well as other cultures around the world, but notably Native American cultures and Mesoamerican cultures like mm-hmm. the Aztecs and the Mayans, um, which was, hadn't been portrayed on television before. With the character of, what was his name, Walking Bear? Was that? Yeah, I that think was, so. Was yeah, it? I thought it was this one. I don't know, but the writer of the episode was... Indigenous. Indigenous. Okay. Um, so there were a lot of Native American elements brought in there. And you've got Kukul Khan, which is just the best named character of any <laughs> Star Trek character ever. Um, he's a Khan, though. Who's like, yeah, I know, <laughs> but it's it's not spelt that way. Okay. It's, he's like a winged serpent, like a Quetzalcoatl type, oh, you know, yes, god that's right. creature, yeah, but yeah, yeah. alien. And, yeah. and uh, they'd visited Earth in various times throughout history. Ancient but, aliens. Yes, yeah. it is literally ancient aliens. Yeah. Um, but each culture they visited only took part, only took what they wanted from the legends. So they weren't able to like fully realize like, whatever. Like the history of these visitors that yeah. have come. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So this is where, you know, the Enterprise crew has to, has to piece together. But How do you say it? Kukulkan? Kukulkan. Kukulkan. Like a cuckoo clock. Kukulkan. Kukulkan clock. You, you can't do it. I can't do it. You can't do it. No. I can do it. Better than everyone. Apparently. Or at least better than you. Apparently. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, again, just a really interesting episode um, for its its cultural. I mean, it's probably not the most culturally sensitive thing that's ever been put on television. No. But for 1974, um, animation being the first time that people are exploring this in this medium um, for children, I think it's notable. I think it's kind of cool. Cool thing to talk about. Absolutely. Cool. Well, live long and prosper. Don't you give me that sarcastic Vulcan salute, Beckett! Bixlog, stardate negative 300,266.3. As of late, Chief Petty Officer Stam Hughes and I have been perusing episodes of Lower Decks, and we have discussed at length how the show feels like Star Trek, even though its tone and overall approach are so different than what came before. In fact, in some ways, it seems to make Star Trek feel even more alive than other shows. 
on account of how it shows characters who are aware of just how insane the world of Star Trek actually is. When it comes to the animated series, though, it seems to only be aiming to amplify what made the original series work. Bolder colors, more interesting-looking aliens, sci-fi plots that go hard. Those are the staples of Star Trek. So while Lower Decks charts its own course in the wider history of Star Trek, we must wonder, does the animated series hold its own as a successor to the original series? Or is it merely the much-vaunted fourth season of that same iconic show? Did you just emote me to Chief Petty Officer? Yeah, you're going to notice. I was an I ensign keep, last Yeah, time. you're going to notice you just keep going down. You're, pretty soon you're going to be like... Uh, Bartender. You're going to be you're going to be Neelix. You're going to be, you know, the cook. God damn. Yeah. Well, you know what? Am I going to rotate back up to the top and be admiral someday? We'll see. It depends on how... Uh, how, uh, how wrong I am? Yeah, about a given topic. So, Lindsay, what do you think? Do you think this is its own show? Do you think it is the fourth season of the original series? Do you feel like it's somewhere in the middle? I honestly, as much as it feels like the fourth season of the show, mm-hmm. I think because of how unique it is, it's its its own show. It's its own entity. It's done its own thing. It's charting its own course. Um, it went in different directions in ways that the original series couldn't do for reasons we've discussed at length. <laughs> um, so... But in doing so, it it creates its own niche. So yes, it does carry the torch forward, but it's its own show. It's its own thing. It does what it does very well, um, and I appreciate it as a standalone thing. You don't really need to have the original series to appreciate what you see in the animated series. It will add to it. But unlike the lower decks where you kind of need to... Uh, be at least passingly familiar with what you're talking about or you're going to miss 90% of the jokes, right? The animated okay. series well, is an yeah. entertaining show that holds its own on its own and doesn't, it, it can exist apart from the other, creates its own lore that then becomes part of the wider lore. But at the time, it's its own thing. So you're saying that someone in 1973 could have watched, you know... I'm just going to pick an episode here that we talked the about. The Magics of The Vegas Infinite too. Vulcan. Yep. And just been like, oh, yeah, this is a brand new series. That, yep. Yeah. No. Yep, I don't absolutely. Think so. No, absolutely not. No, you're it is, wrong. It is absolutely a continuation of the original series. As Fontana herself said, it's the same writers, it's the same creative staff. She's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, that's very uh, definitive. Sorry, Dot. <laughs> I don't know if she ever called herself. Well, like you just made up that <laughs> choice for her, I guess. But no, she it is. It is the it is the fourth season. It is it is an expansion. Sure, I'll grant you that. It's not the exact same thing, but the characters are there. The ship is the exact same. They didn't even like remodel it like they did for the movie. No, 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 no. Let me finish. Then they also, you know, they literally had uh, the same characters in repeat episodes. You had Harry Mudd come back. You had uh, what's her name? Or what's his name? The other guy with the triples. Terrible names. You know that. Cyrano Jones. Yeah. Yeah. The Klingons. I think even Corn. Not Corn. Con. It's Corn. Is it Corn? I forget the guy's name, but the vol- or the Klingon bad guy who showed up in multiple episodes of the Kang? original series. Kang. Corn. It's corn. <laughs> Sorry. Anyways, you had these guys show up again. It was a continuation. It was the exact same as what you were getting in the original. Uh, just amped up to a colorful 11. And uh, I think I've made my point. No, in fact that, no. Yeah. No, I, I, no, because when you have... Um, 
the show deserves to have its own place in in but the it history doesn't. of it does it's it's an it has a space it's right next to the original <laughs> series no yes. no i think i think it's you a, can't watch it without watching the original series i think series. you can i think you could i think you very easily could hmm. i mean I kids did i'm sure i don't think a lot of i'm sure a lot of kids right. were not yeah okay, and they enjoyed but, it and they you know it's fine so sit in your wrongness and be wrong well I don't think so. I think I think this one. You demoted me. Yeah, because you're wrong about this. No. I knew you would be. <laughs> demoted you before the episode even started. I don't like this. Petty officer. <laughs> Who's petty? <laughs> Ouch. Fair. Fair. It's called being a captain. No, it's called being a dick. Uh, so on that draw that we definitely just drew, um, <laughs> a small note: uh, if you have not, for some reason, seen uh, the fan animated next generation and voyager uh shorts that are on youtube uh we will link to them the ones that use the filmation animation style and plot beats from famous episodes um to make it look like it's the the animated series it's brilliant with the music and everything um we'll link all of that to our description on um podbean and uh you can yeah, check that out. Um, I think there's also a little mini documentary about how they made it. Yeah. So we'll put that as well. It's brilliant. It's such a great little um, nod to this lovely standalone part of the Star this Trek history. forgotten continuation of the original series, Lindsay. Yes, absolutely it is. Uh, thank you, Lindsay, for joining us, joining me. Joining today. us? You, you and your multiple personalities? <laughs> All of which are wrong. Uh, yeah, All somehow. of whom are wrong. Pardon me. <laughs> uh, thank you, listeners, as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we'll be back uh, next episode with uh, the first of the things that really moved Star Trek into the future. Mm, the future. Yeah. The modern, the modern Trek. The 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 movies. We're talking the about mo- the movies. The movies. We're, we're talking, talking about, about the, the, yeah, the original the series. Movies. And we, yeah, we may even have a couple guests on for a few of those episodes. So uh, we look forward to having you join us then. Live long and prosper. You gotta say the thing. Aiden, why aren't you saying the thing? You can find all our episodes on Spotify, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, and iTunes, or wherever you get your podcast fix. We love to talk Star Trek with our fellow nerds, and would love to hear from you if you have thoughts or ideas about any of our discussions or the topics we've brought up. You can reach out to us on Twitter, that's at TheBixPod, or by email, at thebixpod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Beam us up, Scotty.